those two girls up on the screen, and, and they are your, your typical teenage girls. You know, there is, is nothing special about them. They're just so ordinary. But they are filled with the presence of God and going out. And I, it just was a reminder that to me as I watched that and a challenge for my own kid, like, there, stuff happens as we go out. Stuff happens as we, as we get outside of our comfort zones and go out and engage with people and talk with them about Jesus. And follow that, that still small voice in our souls, the Holy Spirit, saying, go this direction or that direction. Mallory's saying, you know what, we we're led to go this direction. And people said, there's going to be no one there. And sure enough, there, was, there were people there, people that, that the Lord wanted to encounter. And uh, just a powerful reminder, you know, Abby and the others walking into a bar. I'm like, what kind of trip is this? You know? <laughs> uh, but walking into a bar and praying for people to be healed. Um, just absolutely amazing. So stuff happens as we go out, as we uh, be on mission, uh, the mission that the Lord has called us to. Like John 20 says, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so now I'm sending you. Now go and make disciples. And that is a, a task not just for me or for them on a trip. It's for all of us, wherever we are sent, whenever we are sent. And that's every day to go into our jobs, to go into our neighborhoods and proclaim the hope that we found in Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, because I think there's a couple things that, that go through our minds. And uh, I know they've gone through my mind, and I'm sure they've gone through yours. We make excuses. We, we're like, God, I'm not capable enough. I don't have what it takes. And this week I was reminded of the story of Jesus uh, feeding the 5,000. And it said he looked on the crowd and he had compassion on them. It was after he had just lost his best friend, John the Baptist. He went and he saw the crowds, and even in the midst of his grief, he is ministering to the crowd. And it said, look, he had compassion on them. And then it was late at night and said, let's feed them. Well, the disciples are like, we don't have enough food for all these people. And then he just simply asked, well, what do you have? And they found some loaves and some fish. And he said, bring it to me. And they brought it to him and then fed the 5,000. And there was even some left over. And this is just a reminder for you and I. We don't have to come up with something to bring to the Lord, like manufacture it. We're just supposed to bring what we have. And that's ourselves. Just to give him what we have, our very natural selves, and he will do the supernatural for it. And the other thing is, secondly, like I we come up with excuses, but we also compare our lives with other people. We compare, like, you know, what, how other people share. And we're like, well, I can't share that way, or I can't do that that way. I would encourage you, God has created you with certain gifts and abilities. He's going to give you certain gifts and abilities in the moment through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he has put you in situations because that situation needs you. And so my biggest encouragement to you this morning would be, you be you. Be who God created you to be. Don't look to the left or to the right. Don't try to compare yourself with another person. They need to be who God created them to be. And be the person that God created you to be. And because God wants you to use your voice, and frankly, this world needs to hear your voice and needs you to share the gospel and the hope that you have the way that you do. And so don't compare with one another, but live as a sent person, fully um, called by God, uh, equipped by God, and placed in that situation for a specific reason. And so this, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about just living as sent people, going out and making disciples. And last week, we did talk about listening and the importance of listening, and not just listening to, to be nice, but to listen to understand. To get to, to, to move to a place where we really understand what people are going through. And I shared last week that I believe as a culture we're losing our listening. And that's like a, a big issue. People aren't listening to one another anymore. 
And the problem is, uh, with losing our listening, is we're not listening to understand one another. We're not understanding one another's hearts. And I challenge you guys to, to spend some time to listen to one another. Listen to another person. And uh, last week, Sunday, we had our church picnic. And it was a wonderful time, a beautiful time. But there was a family that didn't go. And they didn't go for a very specific reason, which I guess maybe it was a good reason. But I'm going to have them share. I want to have Amy share why they didn't go to the church picnic. <laughs> well, it was kind of weird. Like, we were talking about it afternoon, and it was just like, I just don't think we're supposed to go. And that's odd, right? Like, of course you should go to the picnic. Why weren't we? Um, but our kids were playing with the neighbors behind us, which they do all the time. And um, I talk, we talk to the parents often, I just don't our friends. But we've always said, like, man, we need to have more for dinner sometime. And it just never has happened in two years. So, Grant's walking on the deck and I'm like, you know, we should have them tonight. And I was like, oh, I always think we can do that right now. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, two minutes later, um, Aaron comes down and I was like, I just invite them to dinner tonight. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, well, okay, I guess we're going to do this. <laughs> so, I didn't even think that they would come on such short notice, but um, it was perfect timing. Their mom uh, also serves in ministry, and she'd been on this weekend event with middle schoolers up to like 2 a.m. the whole weekend. So, to not have to cook dinner was a huge blessing for her, and her husband was leaving for a trip. So, like, just the fact that we were willing to like do that and finally connect. Um, it was really neat, and it was just so ironic to me that um, that like that day, David challenged us to like connect with our neighbors, and then like this opportunity came right in our lap. So it was really cool. It was good. That's awesome. Good job, Aaron, getting getting them in that situation. Good job. I love it when kids get in, you know, get us into to trouble. We're like, okay, I guess we got to do this now. But that is this is just powerful. Uh, anybody else have any stories from listening this week? <laughs> you know, it is, it is powerful just when you take the time to listen. Um, I was—I uh, won't go into the details, but I got into a conversation with somebody that I thought was going to be five minutes, but it ended up being an hour and a half. And just, you know, just this person just boom, just uh, sharing stuff. And so I want to encourage you and continue to, to challenge all of us uh, to listen, to, to, to start with that posture, to listen, to understand, not just to share our opinions, but to listen to understand. But there comes a time when all of a sudden they're talking and the talking stops. And they look to you and ask a question or invite you to speak into a situation. What do you say? Like, how do you say, like, share the hope that you have in Jesus? How do you share the gospel? How do you speak into their situation? You know, Romans 10, it's up on the screen, uh, speaks powerfully to this. There comes a time when you and I will have to open up our mouth and speak. Romans 10 says, How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. And then this verse isn't talking about just a few people who are sent out to preach. It's talked about, talking about all of us. We're all sent people to go and preach and to share the good news. How will people hear about Jesus unless we actually open up our mouth and share it? But how do you share it? How do you share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? And I want to talk about that this morning and give you some very practical tips and tools on how to share. 
But I want to go back to uh, many years ago. Um, I was sitting at Taco Bell off of Waverly, right by Indiana Church. That Taco Bell has been around for a long time. And I, was, I was sitting there with a coworker uh, who had just uh, come to faith in Jesus. And she was asking me a lot of questions. And she was asking questions like, because um, she just started to attend church and she was hearing stories. And she's like, Dave, I feel stupid. Like, I don't know like, what some of the people are talking about. And so she just goes like, Dave, can you tell me who Moses is? Like, who is this guy? I hear this guy, Moses. Like, who is he? Or who is this David guy? Like, I don't, I don't know they're talking about these characters, and I just don't know. Which, to me, again, this week was a reminder that we can never assume that people know what we're talking about. And so even if you don't know what people are talking about, ask a question. But even ask questions and say, hey, do you know about Moses? Do you know about Abraham? Do you know some of these stories? But we were, were sitting there talking and having this conversation over a nice healthy burrito or something. Um, and we're talking, and all of a sudden a guy came up, and he approached us, and he had been overhearing our conversation, and he threw his Bible down on the table, and he said, I just purchased this at Baker Bookhouse, that's when Baker was still uh, in that little uh, subdivision, or that little subdivision, that little uh, mall, that strip mall, and he says, I just purchased this, and I want you to tell me about Jesus. Like, that's like a T-ball, like, like, boom, like, just go ahead and hit that out of the park. I was like, okay, so I start opening up to the Bible, and I start looking around, and I'm like starting to get like hot and start to sweat. I'm like looking at these verses, and I'm like, what kind of Bible purchase? Like, nothing is making sense in here, and I was not at that moment prepared to share with it. I'm looking at these verses, and I'm thinking verses like that I know, like I should share, and it's like reading, like that's kind of weird. And I closed the Bible, gave it back to him, pushed back to him, I said, you need to go back and purchase a different Bible. It was a King James version. <laughs> and I'm like, this isn't making any sense. But in that moment, even though I was sharing with my friend about some of these bigger stories, I froze and wasn't fully equipped to share the gospel, to share the hope that I had in Jesus. I look back at this situation, and maybe the Lord just used me to tell him to go get a Bible that he can actually read. But I wasn't fully equipped, and I don't want that to be true of us today. I want us to be, be ready to share about the hope that we have, ready to share the gospel. And from the very beginning, I will share this. I will, I'll give this little hint and little encouragement. Only share out of your own experience. We were called to be witnesses for Jesus, to go out into all the world and to be witnesses. And so make sure as you're sharing, you're sharing out of your own experience. You're sharing what you yourself have encountered in Jesus. And not just share in some formula or something like that. Share personally out of your relationship with Jesus. So we begin, I want to look at Acts chapter 8. We've been going through Acts chapter 8. We're going to look again at the story of, of Philip uh, towards the end. This will be our last week in, in Acts chapter 8. And Philip, if you remember, is sitting with uh, an Ethiopian. Uh, was told by an angel to go down to this road, to go down and in see what would happen, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit tells him to go over and interact with this Ethiopian. And the Ethiopian is reading something out of the book of Isaiah, and Philip asks a question. We talked about this last week. He said, do you understand what you're reading? And so let's pick up the story in verse 34. It says, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself? Or about someone else. So he's asking questions about Isaiah. Then Philip opened up his mouth. And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. 
And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is some water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at some place, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea, which, interesting, uh, that's where Philip stayed and raised daughters and lived his life. But I love that everywhere he went, he preached the gospel. But I want to look at verse 35 today. It says, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. I love that Philip began with where the Ethiopian was. He made a connection. And I remember when my kids were younger and, and they were in preschool, I would go and help at, in preschool, and kids are so random. If you've ever been in a, a preschool class, if you've ever been around kids, like one person can be talking about their vacation, and then all of a sudden another kid is like, I like chocolate. <laughs> like totally random. And I remember in preschool, even in kindergarten, the teacher saying, now kids, make a connection. Listen to what the other person is saying and try to make a connection. And then all of a sudden you hear these kids like raise their hand or they raise their hand and say, teacher, 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 I have a connection, I have a connection. And then sometimes, probably about 30% of the time, there's an actual connection. But I think that advice to a teenager, to a preschooler, to a kindergartner, is advice for us today. Make a connection. Start with where the person ends off. Philip did that. He said, starting with that passage, beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And it's just a few reflections, even from this verse. You know, first of all, we have good news to share. Do you believe that? Do you believe that we have good news to share? There are other times where we receive good news, we receive reports, and, and we share them quickly, but we have the greatest story, we have the greatest news to share. Good news that that gospel actually means good story. And I think sometimes we can, since we've heard it a lot, we're familiar with the gospel, the good news becomes like, eh, okay news, or familiar news. But let your mind be blown away on a regular basis with the gospel, that it is great news. It is great news that you and I, people who were objects of wrath, children of wrath, were, were recipients of God's amazing mercy in His Son, Jesus. That we who are separated from God have been restored into relationship with God. That's all by faith in Jesus. I mean, that's absolutely amazing. You and I, we have received what we didn't deserve. And I want to encourage you this week. Psalm 51, David says, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Allow the Lord to restore unto you the joy of your salvation, of his salvation, of being rescued and redeemed by God. The fact that you're a new creation, the fact that you aren't defined by your sinful past, but you're defined by the blood of Jesus. We have good news to share. But secondly, I would say the gospel is simple. And I think sometimes we have complicated the gospel. In Galatians 1, Paul says this, he says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who had called you into the grace of Jesus and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. And they were talking about a gospel that was all about works and the law and trying to earn your salvation. And Paul is just reminding the church in Galatia and saying, you know what, that's not the gospel. Don't add to the gospel. 
And I think sometimes today we have heard the gospel so much, we feel like we have to add or do something to the gospel to make it appealing to people. And this is how I've heard it play out. There are so many wonderful um, social justice issues out there. So many wonderful things that people are participating in. Whether it's water, getting clean water to people, whether it's uh, the whole trafficking conversation, whether it's poverty and helping the poor. But I have heard people say, when it comes to even bringing water into the village, which is important, there's nothing bad about that, they will say, this is the gospel. And I just can say, that is not the gospel. That is a result of the gospel. That is a result of a heart being changed, that you want to do something to bring life into a village. But the gospel is clear. The gospel is simple. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says this, What I received, I passed along to you as first importance, that Jesus died for your sins, that he was buried, and that he was raised to new life. That's it. The gospel is the fact that Jesus became a sacrifice for your sins, and it's only through faith in Jesus that you and I are reconciled to God the Father. That is it. We can't complicate the gospel. And I believe that Philip did not complicate the gospel here in Acts 8. He just shared just with this Ethiopian, all right, here is the story. Here's what Jesus did for you. But then the last thing is, the gospel needs to be told. The gospel needs to be shared. And so how do you do that? How do you share the gospel? And I would encourage all of us, we need to share out of our own experience, but also share in our own way. But there is, like, when it comes to Scripture, when it comes to the Gospel, when it comes to who God is and what He's always been up to, I think there are things that we can incorporate into our sharing. And I would like to share this morning four aspects of what I say, what I call God's story, and how we share God's story, and how we can practically speak into people's lives. And the first part of God's story, sharing God's story, I want to encourage you to share is back at the, at the beginning. It all starts out of a relationship. And I'm going to use some visuals. I'm going to use just a lot of R words because uh, it helps me. And maybe this will help you. But the story begins back in creation. That you and I were created for a relationship. And I like to have this cup of coffee mug just to sit and talk with somebody. You know, we are created for a relationship. In the beginning, God created the one who has always existed, the one who alone is perfect and holy, created all that we see by speaking it into existence, by saying, let there be light, and boom, there was light. But then on the sixth day, something different happened. Instead of just speaking us into creation, he got down on the, in the dirt and, and, create, and put dirt together and breathed his life into it. He said, let us make man in our own image. And he's speaking to the himself as a father and the son of the Holy Spirit who are all there, who are perfect in relationship. He said, let us make man in our own image. And he did, and he breathed his life into them. And that is such a picture from the very beginning that you and I were created for relationship. And so as you're sitting with somebody, I would encourage you, like always include the beginning of the story. See, many people will start in Genesis 3 with sin. We'll start about being separated from God, and we'll get to there in just a second. But we must always begin with the very beginning of the story that you and I were created for relationship. And so how can you get into that part of the story with somebody? Here's some things that I put up on the screen that I've seen in, in my past, in my conversations with people, things that have launched me into talking about the very reason that we were created. And the first of it is, like, I'll ask people, what is your greatest longing? What is your greatest longing? What is the deepest desire of your heart? And that often will get into a conversation of the fact that you or they were created to have a relationship with God. 
The only thing that will fill that greatest longing is to have a relationship with God. You talk about brokenness in relationships or desire for relationships. And I often throw out to them, you know, imagine being in a relationship, being fully known and fully know somebody. I mean, that's the opportunity that we have. It's the reason that we were created. You talk about purpose with somebody or conversation about religion. When people are burnt by religion, you can jump into that conversation and say, that's not the purpose. That's not the heart of Christianity. It's about relationship. That's what we were created for. And so even to, to share some verses, these are a couple verses that I love to share when it talks about uh, the beginning and the relationship. Genesis 1 uh, through 3, specifically Genesis 2, but then also Job 38. It's a powerful, powerful chapter about God speaking into creation. And so this is the very first fact. The very first thing that I can talk about is just that we were created for relationships. But then as you get to the second part, I call rebellion. The fact that, that one day in Genesis 3, the devil who came to, to Eve, devil who was a created being, a fallen angel, one who wanted to be worshipped himself, he approached Eve and questioned Eve about God. And would say things like, did God really say this? And then went to lie to God, lie about God over and over again because he's the father of lies. And Eve gave in and, and ate of the fruit that God told them not to eat of. And so Eve rebelled against God, and, and Adam rebelled against God, and then sin entered the world and caused this brokenness in relationship. And as a result, Adam and Eve hid themselves from God, covered their bodies, and they hid from God, and this close relationship was absolutely broken. There was a separation. And Adam and Eve were sent out of the garden, away from God, and because of that separation, they experienced sickness, pain, and suffering. And then from generation to generation, even to their kids, and then even beyond that, sin has been passed along from generation to generation. And so this brokenness or this rebellion is symbolized by the fact that a cup, I'm not asking you, like, if you're having coffee with somebody, don't just, like, smash the cup and say, I see this is rebellion. But it's a broken relationship. Broken relationship between us and God, all because we wanted to do our own thing. And from generation to generation, people have been born into sin. And so this is one area that I have often found, like, is an easy jump into a conversation with somebody. Because people know their own regret. They know their pain. They know the brokenness of their own situation. And so these are, are some ways that I jump into a conversation like this. People's uh, pain in their lives. Regret that they have. They, people even say, like, how could God do this? How could God cause all of this suffering in this world? There's often times where I jump into that situation and I say, just so you know, God didn't cause this. This is because we live in a broken and fallen world. This is not the way that it was intended to be. And so this is an easy conversation around all of the brokenness in the world. And some of the verses that I, uh, I point to are these verses when it comes to the, the rebellion. Genesis 3. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then James 4.17 is a, a favorite passage of mine that talks about a definition of sin. It talks about anybody who knows what to do and doesn't do it, sins. Because people will often say, like, I don't know what sin is. What is the definition of sin? And I point to this verse, James 4.17, and say, do you know what you should be doing? Yeah, you do it. How make that sin? Sin is rebellion against God going our own way. But then, that's the second part. Then we hop into the third part. And it's redemption. 
And this is the beautiful part of the story in which we get to talk about the, the character and the, the greatness of Jesus. Because as you talk about sin and you, you, you share about that, we get to share about the fact that, that God, who is rich in mercy, pursued relationship with us, pursued relationship with the broken world. Because even at the very beginning in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve turned away from God and, and rebelled, I see, think we see this, this redemption, a picture of this redemption at the very beginning when God went looking for them. When God went to them and asked, where are you? And says that we were hiding from you. That demonstrates God's heart, his pursuit for a relationship. And all throughout the Old Testament, you see God pursuing relationship with individuals. Abraham, going to Abraham and saying, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you so that you can bless others. And throughout the Old Testament, as we see the people of God rebelling against God, it's God's heart of redemption and heart of love that pursues them and sends people over and over and over again to rescue them. But all throughout the Old Testament, constantly pointing to Jesus, the one who would come to rescue. And finally, Jesus enters the scene, born of a virgin, born of, of Mary, being named Jesus, which means the God who saves. Jesus, who's God, who's the one who existed before all time, steps into time, lives a sinless life, dies the death that we deserve on the cross. And it's only through faith in that finished work of the cross that you and I can be restored to God. And so even talking about this with people brings up feelings of, of hope and a new start. And this is where I launch off with talking about the cross. And people ask, you know, is there hope? Is there forgiveness? Is there new life? Can what I've done in the past ever be forgiven? This is a beautiful time to talk simply about the gospel and the, the power of the cross. The fact that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and the ultimate work of the devil was to separate us from God. Jesus restored that and redeemed us Cause us to be new creations in Him. And so, some verses that I use to talk about uh, redemption Romans 6 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Romans 10 9 through 10, this is a powerful one because it says that if we um, believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead and confess that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. The powerful verse, Philippians 2, gives a nice overview of um, Jesus leaving the glory of heaven behind and coming to earth, and then knowing that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And Colossians 1, 15 through 23 is a powerful picture of the supremacy of Christ and all that Jesus did. In the last act, so we have relationship, we have rebellion, we have redemption, and then finally restoration. Because at the end, talking about okay, what is life like now, after Jesus rose, he appeared to the twelve. He appeared to his disciples and he told them, gave them purpose to go into all the nations, to tell people about Jesus, about the hope that they have. And this was the beginning of the church. And, and Jesus, after he ascended into heaven, sent the Holy Spirit, filled, empowered followers of Jesus and his followers to carry out this mission. And ultimately, what we see throughout Acts and throughout the rest of the New Testament is Jesus restoring our relationship to God. The fact that we can walk around this earth, restored in a relationship, in a beautiful relationship with God, talking with God, and looking forward to one day when Jesus will come back and we will see him fully and know him fully, and God's kingdom will come in all of its fullness. And so as you talk about this restoration piece and, and what we can have today, the fact that you and I can walk in perfect relationship with God only because of the blood of Jesus, this just brings life to people. 
And so a lot of the conversation that where I go into talking about restoration comes from from these points, when people talk about the future, when people talk about the brokenness of the world and where is the world going. And they think it's all just going to be all destroyed. And you're like, no, it's not. We're moving to a day when Jesus will return, when we'll come back, when we'll see him face to face, and this world will be restored, and, and it will be like God intended it to be. But also with people who struggle with purpose and mission, I want to give them a picture that as people who are redeemed by Christ, we have a purpose, we have a mission to go tell this world about Jesus. That we're to live life bigger than ourselves. And so I want to encourage all of us to be prepared. To be prepared to share. And one of the biggest tools that you and I have today is we don't have to walk around with a piece of paper with a couple of notes put on it, but we can put notes into our phones. And how often are you talking to people and, and you see something or you think of something, you're like, I'm going to pull out my phone and bring that up. I would encourage you, if you have any spiritual conversations, pull out your phone. Make notes into, into your phone saying, I'm going to share these verses. And here's a couple verses that I share. These are, are old. Like People have, have um, shared this before. There's nothing new in this. But I will tell you, this works. As you open up scripture with people and read them to them or have them read these passages, these passages, our scripture is so powerful. And so I will um, share often with people the Romans Road. Um, maybe you've heard about this. I'll start with Romans 3, 23. I'll have them read that. I'll have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I will ask them what that means to them. Then I'll hop over to Romans 6, 23 and have them read that. That all um, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I'll talk about the gift of God in Jesus Christ. And then after a conversation there, I'll hop into Romans 10. After we talk and I say, you know, the way to be restored to God, the way to have your relationship restored, is to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And the scripture says, you will be saved. And I'll have to ask them, what does it mean to be saved? And we'll have a conversation with that. Another set of verses that I share with people I'll start with uh, Revelation 3, verse 20. And this is when someone is really stirring and wrestling spiritually. And they're saying, hey, there's just some, some stirring. And I'll be like, why do you think that is happening? And we'll turn to Revelation 3. And it's the verse of, of Jesus standing at the door of your heart knocking. And I'm like, why is this happening to you? They read it and say, oh, Jesus is trying to get my attention. And then we'll hop over to John 3, 16 through 17. And I know everybody knows or has heard that verse. And sometimes we, we tend to go away from that verse because it's so popular. But I'm like, why not? That's such a powerful passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I love that in 17 because it says, Jesus was sent into the world not to condemn the world but to save the world. That is a beautiful picture of God's heart. And then I'll end with Romans 10 and just highlighting the fact that they have to confess with their mouth and believe in their heart in order to be saved. And so I want to encourage you this week. Be prepared. Maybe take some time. Look over these verses. And what would you say to a person? What would you say if somebody came up to you and, and dropped their Bible down on your table and said, all right, share this with me. Share the hope that you have in Jesus. And I want to close with this. Because sometimes we can get so overwhelmed and feel this pressure. Because I have felt this pressure in the past. That when it comes to sharing the hope that we have, when it comes to sharing God's story, that we have to like, seal the deal. we got to get the person to pray the prayer. we got to get the person to, to cross that line. And I don't know about you, but, but I've had conversations with people 
situations where it had, people haven't crossed that line. People haven't prayed that prayer, and I've walked away from those conversations feeling defeated, feeling like a, a loser, like, oh my goodness, I failed at that. I want to encourage you with this that I saw uh, years ago. And I want to encourage you to play your part. You all have a role to play. See, Philip, he was involved in the Ethiopian's life. He shared the gospel that uh, the gospel with this Ethiopian. And the Ethiopian went back to, history says, they went back to, to Ethiopia and shared the gospel with those in Ethiopia and many became uh, Christians. But Philip had a specific role. He shared the gospel. But then what does that passage say at the end? He was like teleported out of there. Like, boom, gone. And so he had a specific role. You have a specific role in a person's life. And sometimes it might be watering the seed that has already been planted. Sometimes it's planting a seed. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Service through whom you believe. As the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Keep on. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. See, we all have a role to play. Some of you will be watering, some of you will plant. Sometimes you will plant in a person's life, and other times you will water in a person's life. But the goal that you and I have, the role that we have to play, is just to move people closer to Jesus. This scale I saw years ago, and it was so encouraging. If negative five is somebody who's totally hostile to the Lord, your job, your role, isn't necessarily to get them from negative five to five. It might be just to get them from negative five to negative four by speaking a word of encouragement into their life. You know, sometimes you have the privilege and the opportunity to move somebody from a negative one, negative bad towards Jesus, from zero to putting their faith in Jesus. And that is a beautiful thing to observe. And God might use you in that situation, but don't feel bad and don't feel defeated if your role is just to move somebody from a negative three to a negative two. Or you might be on the other side. Maybe you want to just, maybe God will have you just encourage somebody to go from a two to a three, to move them into a deeper relationship with the Lord. The thing that I want you to walk away from today being encouraged by is your job is just to move people closer and closer to Jesus. That's all we're supposed to do. Way to go, Zane. That was Zane back there. That is your job, your job and my job. And so this week, as we go about our day, Look for opportunities to do that, to speak words into people's lives, to tell them the story of God in your own words, however you would talk. So I want to pray for us as we, that we would have our eyes open, that we would be fully prepared and equipped to, to do that. So God, thank you. Thank you for the hope that we have in your son. Thank you that, that, that you send us out into this world, that you send us out to, to share the good news that we have in you, that you work through us. And so I pray and I ask right now that you would empower us that you would fill us, that you would give us a confidence, a confidence that doesn't come from our own ability, but a confidence that comes in knowing from knowing you, being fully confident to share the hope that we have in you. God, I pray this week that you would give us opportunities, that even as we prepare and think through like how we can even share this, God, that you would give us opportunities to share with people, that you would tee them up, that you would uh, bring us into those conversations. God, we do pray that uh, many people would come to know you, Jesus, as our Lord and Savior. We pray for West Michigan. We pray for our hearts to be fully surrendered to you. God, we just want your glory to be on this.
And so empower us, fill us to go from this place. We love you, Jesus, and it's your name we pray. Amen.